Welcome back to yet another episode of the Coach's Corner podcast. Today we're talking about something that's like, I know I know we don't like to talk about this. I know this isn't the sex, I, I hope to make it a sexy topic, but I know generally we like to avoid this conversation. And I know for myself, just to set the record straight here, so if, you, if you're just tuning in, I'm going to give you a reason to stay and listen to this. Sales was such a painful thing for me because maybe movies and Hollywood just made me really dislike sales or my dad also just like if a sales guy popped up out of the corner, he'd, we'd run. My dad's like, don't talk to me. And so I worked so hard and maybe you're working so, so hard to get into conversations, to create content, to start that conversation. Then you work so hard. You have a sales call booked and maybe you sabotage it in some way. I know for myself, I would be late. I'd get stuck in traffic. I'd run an errand for whatever reason, 30 minutes before a call and just not show up. Um, I would hope that the person wouldn't show up. I remember going through that process. I was happy when someone didn't show up yet. I was making no money. And I understood that the only way for me to serve would be to sell. So today we got Kyle Livingston on the show. How are you doing, Kyle? Doing well, man. Happy to be on here. Excited to, uh, to pour into your audience and pour into you here, man. We're going we're gonna to jam on some sales stuff. And I hope that anything I mentioned, I could keep going down the list and maybe I'll even turn it over to you, Kyle. And, and you could even say like, what else do you see mm-hmm. when people are like, dude, there's like, there's like, what do they call it? Like call reluctancy on a sales team. Like, isn't that, that that's something that's a real thing in a sales team, but like, yeah, they're not making the calls. They're not doing the calls or they're sabotaging their own success. What do you see happens to a lot of coaches or people who they work hard to get the call, but mm-hmm. they, they definitely don't maximize the opportunity. Man, I see that a lot. It's a big problem, honestly, in especially the coaching space and especially the people who love to serve and, and come from a place where it's a servant's heart. Um, more often than not, there's typically something that they have association with money, association with being told no, some reason that makes them not want to get on a call. And at the end of the day, man, sales is the bloodline. It is the heart of a business. And without it, you normally have no business. So you're right. It is definitely a real thing. hundred percent. Why, why do you, um, why'd you gravitate towards sales? What was like the thing? I, I guess some people are probably natural born. Like they just wanted to get into that field. Was that true for you? Or what was the story for you to get into a place where you, you really mastered that art? Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually owned my own business for uh, quite some time before I got into doing just sales. And I struggled with sales. And I realized like my, I'm really good at what I do, but I struggle with the sales portion of this. And I was reluctant to get on calls. I was terrified. Like you go back and listen to some of my calls, even, you know, two, three years ago, I'm like heavy breathing on the call. And like, right. I'm, you know, I sound like I'm wearing a brown suit trying to sell somebody a used car. Right. And it was miserable, dude. I was miserable. The person on the other end was miserable. I was miserable when I got told no. It was something that I never really looked forward to until I reframed my perspective on sales and realized that, like you said earlier, it's a service. Sales is a service to people because at the end of the day, if you can't connect somebody with what they want, which is the result that you or your business provides, then it doesn't matter. And you're actually doing them a disservice by allowing them to stay where they're at and not actually helping them. So, so, and that's what I'm really excited to talk to you about because I know you're so philosophical. I see your content, I see your stuff and you go, like, I just love people who think instead of like, okay, hey, here's the process to how to do sales. Cause I think most of it is internal at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least from what I found is like, once I started increasing my energy and my frequency and my, 
willingness to show up and serve. I had no scripts. I didn't know what I was doing, but everyone just started saying yes. And I was like, yeah. okay, like my energy's high and something's happening here. So, right. so you said you, you kind of struggle with the sales and you reframed sales as a service, but what happened mm-hmm. internally or what can, what can coaches or what can people start doing internally? If you're walking through somebody who feels like that the car used car salesman, um, doesn't feel good about it. Feels bad asking for the money. What? What? Where would we start with someone on that? So there's rules to sales, and I don't know if you've <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know if you've gone over these rules on your podcast yet. But if if you have, you know, we'll just go over them again. And Let's do it. really, the number one rule of sales before anything else is always do what's best for the prospect. Yeah. Okay. Right. So for me, if if I show up to a call and my energy is low or I decide to go run errands 30 minutes before and I'm running late, is that really what's best for the prospect? Probably not, right? And so for me, I had to really do a couple of things and do some soul searching to make sure that I am showing up doing what's best for the prospect. Um, One of them was my association with money, right? We all have different associations with money. You and I have talked about this a little bit in the past, but it's if I have a negative connotation around money, if I don't believe you know, money is a, is a good thing, is a positive thing, it's going to be very hard for me to have conversations around money with other people. And it's already an awkward enough conversation for most people. So if I'm making it awkward, if it's weird internally for me, it's going to be weird for other people. So the first thing I ever had to do is really dig deep into my belief and my association with money itself. That was really the first thing I had to do. But then, then I look at, okay, you know, number one rule of sales, always do what's best for the prospect. Well, in order to do that, sometimes like you might have to challenge people. Well, am I okay challenging somebody on a call? Well, if it's what's best for them, absolutely. If it's not what's best for them, then no, I shouldn't be doing it. Because the second rule of sales, uh, first rule, always do what's best for the prospect. What's best for them is typically outside of their comfort zone. So you're going to have to challenge somebody. You're going to have to help them get outside of their comfort zone. Because as you know, right? Coach's Corner podcast talks about this a lot is, you know, outside of your comfort zone, that's where the magic happens, man. That's where you make the money. Yeah. That's where you impact the people. That's where you can actually do the servant's heart. And so for me, I had to be okay challenging people. And I'm a people pleaser, man. I enjoy being your friend. I'm yeah. a very friendly human being by nature. But in some instances, if I showed up as their friend, I couldn't be their leader. And sales is about leadership. It's about servant leadership. It really, really is. And if I can show up on a call as a servant leader willing to challenge somebody in a moment where maybe no one's ever challenged them here before, but coming from a space of like, I'm doing this because I care about you. And I'm doing this because I I can tell what you need is what we have. Then it's a different conversation because I have the authority to challenge you as long as I get permission, obviously. But I have the authority to challenge you. It's coming from my heart, not from my wallet or not from my bank account. And if I can come from that perspective, everybody wins but it was uncomfortable for me. And so I had to really associate consequences with my ability to be their friend versus my ability to be their leader. If I decided to show up on a call as someone's friend over their leader, what would be the consequences about that? You know, maybe they're a coach and they've been trying to do their coaching business for two years. And, you know, the, they've been promising their spouse for the last two years that they're going to get this coaching business off the ground. And lo and behold, they're two years in doing 3k a month. Right. Maybe no one has ever challenged them in a way of like, hey, the way that you're doing this isn't working. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You did such a good job with that, with 
with me because I, I I deconstructed it for a long time of like man like it was so beautiful I think at some point you like you don't get challenged as much and so to get challenged and I'm always trying to put myself in every six months I make some decision to go somewhere and challenge myself yeah. uh last one was with Preston Smiles it was an episode with Preston of like it was a week of like deep spiritual work that like challenged me on every any fear I had was cast aside when it came to like spiritual personal development and i know you did such a great job of that but just showing up as and i love how you worded this is showing up as a leader not as a friend because i think all too many times those sales calls can turn into free coaching calls where you're just trying to help the person but is that serving them the best probably not yeah man and one thing i'm going to throw in here that i feel is really really important is you have to make sure that you're congruent in the call if you start the call as their friend and you go through the entire call and the only time mm. you challenge them is at the end it's going to get weird. <clears throat> and so you got to make sure that you take your friendliness hat off before you get on a call with somebody. Show up as their leader. Challenge them from the beginning where they need to be challenged. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't, you're going to be incongruent and it's going to feel weird. I really love that. So, okay. So I like how you mentioned the hat thing because I try and visualize two hats of like you have the coach hat, you have the marketer and the salesperson hat, and you have to know which one to put on, when to serve and when to sell type thing. So you're saying, and I, I'd love to dive into this one. So there's there's someone listening or I think me possibly you included is like we love to serve like there's nothing better than helping somebody for me it's like the the thing that makes me feel the best and i think most people listening are like yeah i love to help people but you're probably getting a little sick and tired of not having money coming in or people not paying you or they're working for you for free how do you start making that shift or how did you make that shift because you said you love to people or you were a people pleaser or you really enjoy making people feel comfortable and happy um, how did you start making that shift? Is it literally an identity you put on, like you slip into it when you're in a conversation or is it now so natural you don't think about it? It's still, it's still an identity I put on every single day. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, and like I said, you know, I have my morning formula, my thing that I go through every morning. I have a document that I read through every single day around who I am and who I desire to be. And I actually have those consequences that I talked about tied into my morning formula, right. where if I decide to show up as their friend, these are the consequences for them. They might, they might lose that relationship with their spouse because they've been promising something for two years. They're going on their third year and they still can't deliver. Their spouse has lost trust. Beautiful. You know? And then for me, you know, I have goals in life too about things that I want to impact. And if I decide to show up as their friend, that's not serving me either. Yeah. The things that I want out of life, the people I want to impact, I can't do that if I decide to be their friend. And so every single morning or even sometimes throughout the day when I find myself kind of slipping, like if I get on a call with someone who's super friendly and I kind of find myself slipping into that friend zone, I'll, I'll take a few moments after the call and go revisit my morning formula and read out those consequences to me. Right. You know, I'll just take a moment and go read them out loud. And like, the, this is real. If I decide to be their leader, they might lose their relationship. They might lose their business. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Really tapping but, into you. Yeah. Yeah. I just I have to, I have to put it on every day. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. What did I just read a little while ago? Um, Todd Herman? No. Anyway, he, he worked with professional athletes and, and, and musicians and, and artists of how they'd slip on identities or they'd create their mm -hmm. own identities um, and how he does it a lot with his clients with like a piece of clothing or a piece of jewelry or like, mm -hmm. like a police officer at the end of the day takes off his uniform when he comes home and there's a little he can he can switch off the the authority or the police uniform but sometimes they lose where they anyway they can't so having different outfits I just started doing it this is four months ago at five or six o'clock because I realized I was like working at eight or nine o'clock at night. I wasn't getting out of work mode that I have work clothes. Every all work stays in the office. And at five o'clock, I slip off the work clothes, even though I work from home 
and I put on the sweater or the t-shirt and I can like slip out of that identity. So it sounds like you do that just internally. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when I do get home, like I make sure I change, I do the same thing. I make sure yeah. I change, I get out of whatever I was wearing for the day and right. get into something different. And now I'm, now I'm in husband mode with my wife, because cool. if I show up, I'll tell you something right now, I show up in sales <laughs> mode with the wife, man. It doesn't go too good. <laughs> it doesn't go yeah. well at all. My, my girlfriend calls me out too. I'm like selling her on something. She's like, dude, I, I'm not your client. Like, <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So, so I think, I think we're understanding how it's an internal game or a lot of it's an internal game and having a real good reason why you're showing up to the call. How are you serving? How are you going to change this person's life? If you don't show up as your best self, what's the consequence for your client and yourself? So now we're on the call or it's five minutes before the call or 10 minutes before the call. Um, we, we probably don't have 20 calls a day. We're probably like five or 10 calls a week. So we have a little time to prepare. So 10 minutes before the call, um, what, what are you generally doing before a call? Like, are you researching or are you getting centered or are you getting in a place of service or do you have some anchors you go through? Like, what's your process? Yeah. So the very first thing I do is I'll do research on them. If I have any notes on somebody, if I have, you know, their profile links, like I just want to go see what type of person, what are they about? Yeah. Like with you and I, right? Like we both love riding dirt bikes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, maybe I would use that as a connection point on the call. Yeah. Um, so five minutes or so, you know, 10 minutes before the first five minutes, I'm usually researching, taking a look. And then five minutes before the call, um, I'm going to take about two or three minutes and I'm just going to sit and meditate a few moments on what I want to be, how I want to be showing up for this person. Right. Because I might be getting in a conversation with somebody and then show up on the call very similar to the way I was having that conversation. And I can't do that. Right. So this is who I need to be on this call. And then I'll go through my call and, or my, my notes just two minutes before the call. I'll go through my notepad and I will actually start segmenting my notepad. Here's all the things that I need to write down to make sure that I don't miss. You know, I call them tie downs. We can jump into that later if you want to jump into yeah. that. But I have these things that I need to make sure that I do. So I'll write them on my list or on my notepad. Um, I'll write their name at the top. I'll write when I took the call. And it's just, it's, it's a repetitive action to really put me in a frame. And I do that two minutes before the call, make the call and uh, just make sure my energy is super high. If I need to stand up for a few moments or, get at my standing desk, whatever I need to do. That's what I'm going to do. But, but writing those 10 tie downs down, putting their name, segmenting my paper and how I want it segmented. That's really my trigger to really get into the zone. But when, when you mentioned, we'll, we'll talk about tie downs, but when you mentioned, um, you know, you get your energy up or where you want it to have, have you found like my secret sauce when I first started was like just getting my energy up. I found that that took 90% of the problems mm -hmm. away. It just seemed like people, would naturally gravitate towards. I couldn't, I can't, I mean, I'm sure there's science and, and stuff behind it. Is that like a really, really big one? Energy is probably the number one thing on a sales call. Tactics, you know, methodology, theory, those are great, but those are way more nuanced. If I show up to a call and I'm, hey man, so how's your day going? No one's going to want to talk to you for 40 minutes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you can call, hey, Lucas, look, man, I'm super excited to pump, you know, I'm pumped to talk with you today. Um, you know, I got some notes here. Let's jump in. If I show up in that manner, dude, people want to talk to you. Yeah. You got to make sure that you're not showing up like Eeyore. And a yeah. lot of that comes along with what is your association with the call. Right. It's really hard to show up that way if you're resenting getting on this call right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Energy is a big one. Maybe just a little bit deeper, because this is bringing back so many memories for me of like how happy I literally, how happy I was when someone didn't show up. And like two minutes later, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm done. And I turned off Zoom before they got on. This is like, this is back in the fitness days. Um, 
and I, I don't think I've thought about it enough to like really pull out what I started shifting, but just a little, I know so many people are in that. So I don't want to just glance it over. I'm like, yeah, we got the identity. We got understanding. We really want to serve anything else that comes to mind when it's like, I, I get what you're saying, Kyle, you've done thousands of calls. I get it. I just really don't like sales. I'm not, I want to coach. I don't want to sell. Whenever I run into a conversation with someone like that particular, like, listen, I just want to coach. I don't want to sell. I want to find the association they have and why they don't like selling. There are so many people that go through life with these associations. I call them glasses. They're perceiving a situation through a rose tinted lens. But if you just take a look and figure out where that's coming from, more often than not, it's actually not your belief. More often than not, it's something else going on. Because at the end of the day, if you firmly believe in your product and you firmly believe in your service and you know this can impact people, why wouldn't you want to tell the world? And if you've got to challenge somebody, that's just part of the game. But it really comes down to that association in your belief, man. In, have, in, have you read um, The Greatest Salesman in the World by that Ogmandino? Oh, yeah. I have the scrolls on my, I have the scrolls from that book saved on my bookmarks. And I'll go through scroll, scroll 11 quite often. What was scroll Phenomenal. 11 again? He's talking about like just winning, right? And just really like winning, showing up, making sure that your energy is there. Like if this doesn't work, I'm onto the next one. Like not everybody's going to be the, the, the right fit, but it really talks about the energy. And like, I refuse to end today on a loss. I will only end today on a win. Right. 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 Then I, I might be, really good one. I think it was scroll three. That was like, I will persist until I succeed. I think that might've been three. I used to read that over and over. And that was the book given to me by a girlfriend's dad, who was a professional sales trainer. And he gave me that book and he just told me to read it over and over. And I read it. And now it's coming back to me of like that one book led me into like, whoa, like sales is a service and I have a duty. And it started getting me into that mentality. I now remember that, that Ogmandino greatest That's salesman. Great in the world. One, that was a good book. Great one. That was a good book. 100%. So, okay. So now we're on the call. We do our thing. We can definitely talk about tactics. I know you mentioned tie downs, but one thing before that is how do you keep your energy up when you've had three no's in a row or, or even disrespectful people, or they laugh mm-hmm. when they say your price or just don't respect you. You can tell they're moving around. The, the camera's all shaky. They don't really want to be there. Um, I know you guys have a pretty good process to wean out with like the setters and closers and all that. But if someone doesn't sure. and it still happens going for volume, right? How are you mm-hmm. dealing with that? So my way is super cheesy, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's super, super cheeseball. I will go take a hater shower okay, and I will okay. sit there for two minutes before my next call. And I will literally envision myself washing off that person's energy on my body. Mm. I will go get hater soap and I will wash it off of my body. And then I hop on my next call. And if I allow that energy onto my next call, then right there, I need to catch it because I'm not showing up as a leader to that person. And I'm letting my emotions run the show, which in sales, you can never allow your emotions to, to right. ever dictate how you show up. Because right. if you do, you're not showing up as a leader and you're not doing what's best for them. Right, right. So you got the hater shower. So it sounds like yeah. we're, we're literally just snapping out of state, like just into another state and you're doing yep. it through a shower and soap and yep. all that stuff. That's the same idea. Yep. Cool. I like that. I know that can be heartbreaking for people. They've worked so hard. They mm-hmm. feel like God put them here on a planet, or at least I like to think that we're here for a reason. And mm-hmm. someone laughs at you, shows up five minutes late, disrespects you, um, laughs at your price. I've had that like way back. Oh, in yeah. the day. It was just like, and it wasn't, dude, I was charging 40 bucks an hour when I first got into fitness, believe it or not. 
Um, and I thought that was a lot because I like, dude, I thought 20 bucks was a lot. Um, and people would laugh. They'd be like, you $40 to like trade me. And I was like, what? Like you so much doubt. And you're already in a fragile place because you're shifting every identity about yourself from employee into entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So you got the shower thing, but I'm guessing behind that, finding something that you can like whatever works for whomever is listening to. Just yeah. If you have time, man, get up and go for a walk outside. Yeah. Right. Go like, go read school three out of the book. It's a good one. You know, that's a great one. When I first started in sales, I would read school three literally between every single call because right. I needed to help shift my state. And eventually it becomes, you know, much simpler, but I think a lot of it really comes down to your identity and sales. Right. Right. If somebody laughs at me, if somebody's disrespectful to me, that is your loss because right. you're on this call because something in your business is broken, prompting you to take this call. Mm, I love that. And if you want to be disrespectful, I call it staying in the burning building. If you want to stay in the burning building, I'm a firefighter trying to rescue you. And you're literally laughing at me when I hit, throw my ax through the door. Stay in the building, man. That's your choice. That's your loss, not mine. And dude, you just can't. It's hard, but you just can't take it personal because it's, it's very rarely is it about you. It normally has everything to do with that other person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really, really love that. Sounds like you reframe a lot or you're always just taking the situation and putting a different perspective on it. You have to, yeah. you have to, especially when you're dealing with people, man, because everybody sees things differently. Right. You know, what is that one of those rules of like, just don't, who, who did that? The four rules of life, but like one of them was like, just don't, don't take anything personally. And I found that to be like, I just had to repeat that over and over. Um, like, don't yep. take it personally. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's never about me. It's never about me, man. Right. First rule you mentioned is what's best for the prospect. Yep. And maybe they're just yep. not ready. Like to force them into something they're not ready is probably not best for them anyways. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. I'll get on a call with someone. And if I feel that they're not in a position, like you could be waving your credit card at me right. with a $25,000 limit on your Amex. But if you're mentally not in a position or if you're just a, a, a jerk, like I'll tell you, no, right. I don't want your money. I want this to be a good fit and what's best for you. I, I don't want that. you to just throw cash to try and solve a problem. The, the jerk thing I found, I found, I know when you, I'd work with anyone, of course. And someone would like literally almost be disrespectful in a messenger. But I was like, eh, like it's okay. I'd style flex and like, just like, let's just work together anyways. And it was always just, it was not worth, it was not worth it. It never, never is. is. I call those PETA clients, dude, pain in the right. clients. You know what Fair I mean? PETA clients. And you got to stay away from those people. And if you're working with those people, it's probably because you're not doing sales enough to other people and right. you're letting a lot of things slip and you're right. living in, you know, a bit of scarcity mindset, man. Right, right, right. I love it. I love it. Okay. So we're increasing our energy. We're working on our beliefs around money. We're, and I think that's a lifelong pro I know for myself, it's been a lifelong process. And even to this day, I know in Nashville, I got that, uh, the, um, the grand Hyatt and I just went all out. I'm like, dude, I went all out. I was supposed to rent a 68 Mustang. It just didn't go through because insurance didn't transfer over. I went all out and dude, even to this day, I'll sometimes feel guilt because I'll go for a walk and I just see people hungry and I'm like, uh, so I'm always trying to serve them and always trying to, but for me, it's been a long process. I have a lot of conversation with that with clients because it's been a struggle for me. But people are working on their money mindsets. They're working on all that stuff. They're showing up to the call. They're wanting to serve the prospect. They're getting told no, yes. They're working on their energy, resetting. Any tactics on the call that could give us the slight edge or help us, um, I don't want to say win because it's a win-win, but mm -hmm. to, to, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but to 
to serve and to get someone into the program? Yeah. Well, the first thing is those, those three rules of sales. And I'm going back to this. And I'll just wrap them off real quick. Always do what's best for the prospect. Yeah. What's best for the prospect is normally outside of their comfort zone. And number three is they are going to fight like hell to stay in their comfort zone. Right. And it's your job to help remove them from that. And in most calls, there's really two parts, right? The first part is uncover. You're really trying to see if it's a good fit, if you can help them. You're really going through the first half of the call <clears throat> asking questions. What a lot of people do in sales is they begin coaching on that part of the call and they begin solving problems on that part of the call. And then when you get into what I call the transition where you're going to start telling them how your service or what your offer is and how it's going to benefit them, you've already coached them through all of their problems. Why do they need to work with you? Right. And they become disinterested very quickly, right? So you want to ask questions. Sometimes you're going to want to ask doubting questions, right? Because if somebody what's an example of that, um, like, do you, do you feel like you have everything you need? Right? Like that's a a simple doubting question. Right. Like, well, how has that been working for you? Right. Right. Very simple. Those are high level, but it's like, if you can get someone in a place of doubt because, and, and not in a manipulative way, but in a way of like, you know, I just didn't see it from that perspective. You're right. 5k a month isn't a lot of money. Right. I thought I was, you know, Bill Gates making 5k a month in my business. Right. Right. And you're helping me understand like, what do you mean 5k a month isn't a lot for my business? Right. You begin helping reframe them through questions, leaving coaching completely out of the first part of the call. It simply wants to be a, an uncover. That's why it's called uncover. You want to uncover their pain points. You want to uncover what they're going through and see if you can help them. Um, and the better you can get at your questions, the more people feel like they, you understand them, right? Because if I'm asking you questions and you're like, dude, that question is completely irrelevant to me. Right. There's no connection, right? But if I'm asking you questions and you're like, dude, how do you know? Like, that's, yeah, absolutely. And you begin to answer that question in a way of like, like I'm almost reading your mind. Then it, it's going to be a win-win at the end of the call. Right. And you're building that connection but by getting in their heads so they <clears throat> feel like you really understand them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And again, without a manipulative, without a manipulative spirit here, it's purely like, I want to make sure that I understand you correctly. Um, And a lot of things that salespeople do too, is they, they won't, I call it tracking. You want to make sure that somebody is coming along with you. So if, if somebody goes off and they, they tell you about their problems and their pain points, and then when they're done talking, you just move on to the next question. It feels like you're leaving them in the dust. So I'd like to reiterate, Hey, you know, Hey, Lucas, so this, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. This is X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah, exactly. Or no, that's not what I meant. I actually meant this. Gives me a moment to make sure that we're on the same page. Then we can move on to the next topic. Um, but in, you know, during Uncover, I'm asking particular questions in a way that I call them tie downs. People refer to them as a bunch of different things. But you want to figure out exactly like if, you get to the end of the call and you have spousal objections or money objections. You should already know that's coming based on the questions you asked earlier on in the call. Right. Right. And so when I get to uncover, I want to make sure that I have, and I've checked off on my list, exactly the things that I need to have checked off. So are they, you know, are they in pain? Do they have a problem they're looking to have solved? You know, do they have a spouse? Do they have a business partner? Are they financially qualified to work with me? Because if I get on a call with someone and they have $500 to their name and they're trying to figure out how to buy ramen for dinner for the kids this week, 
it's probably not a good idea for me to talk about working with us, right? right? It doesn't make sense. There's no point in me going through an offer. And this is probably one of the best shields salespeople have from the nose and the going into ruts, right? Is understanding exactly where the prospect's at and what they need. And if they're not in a financial position to work with you, don't go through the rest of the call. So different than like the spray and pray or, or the like to just sell to everybody. Cause that you, mm-hmm. I think you've got to have some tough skin. You've got to be a different breed to just be one of those. Like some people kill oh, yeah. it, but they're just a different breed. Like they'll sell all day. Yeah. No, I, no, I couldn't no do it. No, me neither. I couldn't do it, man at all. And it's, you got to have like a shark skin to do that. And I just, I don't have that and I'm unwilling to grow that, but I'm also just making sure that we're on the same page. Like yeah. if let's say in your coaching business, if you get to the end of the call and you don't know if they have a business partner or you don't know if they're married, right. Right. And you have no idea if the spouse supports them. Oh, Hey Lucas, this is fantastic. This is great. I need to go run it past my spouse. And you're like, Whoa, right. dang, you're, you're married. What do you mean? Right. And then it gets weird. Right. 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 You call them tie downs, but you're really any, anyone listening. Cause we got, we got coaches from so many niches. What we're really trying to uncover here. I have it written down here is your first part of the call is uncover. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. And then you've got your questions. You're repeating those questions back. So you make sure you're getting accurate information and not presuming something and you're calling them tie downs, but to structure maybe less of a script, but more of a series of questions or like a checklist. So by the end of the uncovering process, you've got checks. You understand where they're at. Mm-hmm if they have support at home, if they've got the money to invest in it, if the pain is big enough for you to make an offer, mm-hmm. or if you have to poke at the pain a little bit more to make the pain bigger so yeah. they can reframe and understand if I keep doing this, it's it's not going to be a good ending for me. Like this, this is actually a bigger problem than I even thought it was. So that's what we're really getting at with the tight ends. Yep. Cool. Yep. Cool. And yeah. And making sure that you understand their business as well. Right. Because if, if they have six weeks of fulfillment ahead of them, and you ask them, hey, is this a now thing for you? If we walk through a game plan and it makes sense and it's going to solve the problems you have that you're facing, is this a now thing? And they tell you, well, right. no, because I have six weeks of fulfillment with other clients and I'm going on vacation to the Bahamas for a month. Right. Cool. Let's, let's revisit this conversation when you get back. Right. Cool. Right. Cool. Cool. Um, okay. So we got the first half is the uncover. And I, yep. think, I think probably a lot of coaches, if, if, we, if, we, if we just stay away from the coaching on the call and wanting to serve, but you're really just writing the prescription. You're a doctor just asking questions to, to figure it out. I think most of us could nail that. It just takes some discipline to not put your heart in it and emotions and want to help the person right there. Like the best thing they can do is work with you because if you give them some coaching, they're going to leave, try it for a week and be in the same position. So I think, mm-hmm. I think most of the people listening, we could work past that, but now it comes to the second part of it, which I'm guessing is like the transition into, yep let's do something. How's, how does that usually unfold? Cause I think a lot of people get stuck there, don't they? hundred mm-hmm. percent. That's where things begin to fumble. That's when things can kind of get weird. And again, if your energy is friend zone and you transition and you challenge, then it gets weird. You got to challenge right. from the beginning. You got to lead from the beginning um, real quick and uncover just a little ninja hack for everybody listening during uncover. A good way to prevent yourself from coaching is ask the question and put yourself on mute. Mm. Mm. And when they're done talking, count to two, unmute yourself, and then tr- make sure that you're tracking. Repeat the answer back to them and then move on to the next question. That'll prevent you from jumping in when you want to coach. I found myself literally coaching somebody through something. I'm on mute. They can't hear me. They finish their thought and we continue the call. <laughs> right, right. I love that. Right? I love that. 
So you have Uncover, you get to the transition, and this is a really good place for what I call a temp check, right? Hey, where do you want to go from here? And they're going to ask you where, they're going to tell you where they want to go, right? If they're like, well, like, you know, I'll ask them, look, we can go a couple different directions. If you have questions for me, let's start there. I can jump into the game plan. It's up to you where you want to go, right? right. They feel in control. They don't feel like they're getting sold to. They don't right. feel like you're the one driving the vehicle. And if you ask them that, they might have some questions. Let them ask the questions. Let them get those out of the way. Typically, more often than not, those questions will lead into the transition anyway. Right. Right. And again, just the way, same way that you tracked with them during Uncover, you want to make sure that they're tracking with you during the transition in, into the pitch. Right. Right. You know, get, you know, a few sentences out, pause, ask them if they agree, ask them if they're, if they have any questions, you know, and just make sure that they're tracking along with you. Because a lot of the times you'll see these salespeople go through six minutes of talking and they stop right. and now everybody's kind of lost. Right, right. So, so, so I really like this. So they've, they've, you've uncovered and I think you use the sentence, where do you want to go from here? And anyone listening can probably create their own until it becomes kind of natural to them or whatever's natural, but like, what do you want to do next? How does that feel? Where would you like to go next? What do you have for me to transition, but leaving them in control instead of being like, so you want to hear about what we do? Do you want to hear about, because that makes it, right. that makes it super awkward. Yeah. Right now, a lot of times people will get to that point of the call and they feel relaxed. Like their sales walls have been taken down. They realize you're not right. that Brown suit wearing used car salesman on the corner. Right. And it, it kind of removes that, that initial wall that a lot of people have to like, Oh, this is different. Right. You're not just going to pitch me. Like, and I thought people tell me like, well, pitch me. I'm like, pitch you on what? I don't even know what you want. Like, what are you looking for? I know we can help you. Like, right. are you do you want to talk about that? Right. Sometimes it gets awkward, but more often than not, it, it helps really remove that wall that people have up during the sales conversation. I love that. I love that. So you've got the transition. Can we call it like a, a like the transition question? Like the transition yeah. is, is where you move into that um, temperature check. I believe you called it. I love that. And you've got, uh, you got any questions so they can even sort of, have you ever had someone by them starting to ask the questions there? They're basically telling you their objections to that point in a way, mm -hmm. except in a yeah. question format, you don't have to fight it. You're working with them to uncover the stuff. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, yep, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to say one thing that you want these prospects to feel like, is if we're sitting on the same side of the table together, not sitting on op opposing sides of the table, right. I want you to feel like I'm on your side because that's my intention here, right? right? And if I'm asking you where you wanna go from here, you feel that as well. Right, right, I love it, love it. Some questions are uncovered, other person's like, no, it's like pretty clear, I know I need help. How do you transition, I really wanted to bring this up on this call, is this, um, if they don't know the price, mm -hmm. how do you move into, that or is there is there something you've learned along the way to make it easier is there another transition is there some way that you can price like uh, price compares or some way that you can start high and go low like what what do you do or do you just like hey here's the price how does that feel a couple things on a person probably yeah it's going to depend on the conversation most of the time i want them to ask me what the price is what is the investment right and you mentioned earlier i reframe things if somebody asks me what the cost of something is, I will reframe them on, hey, listen, cost of what? You mean the investment to work with our team? Right. Okay, well, because, and then you got to maybe educate them on why it should be an investment. Right. Right. 
because especially if they're going to be leveraging credit, you never want to use, use credit for a cost. Right. right credit isn't right. there to, to buy TVs. You use credit for an investment. And so you got to maybe reframe some of their language. But we'll go through, you know, the, the tempo change. I'll walk through the offer and I'll pause like, hey, how does this feel? Like, do you have any other questions? Where do you want to go from here? What other questions do you have? And it, it will naturally come up in conversation if I give them the space. And this is where most salespeople drop the ball. You have to give people the space. So I use silence in my calls a lot, right? I'll make a comment, I'll say something, and I will mute myself. Because more often than not, you're changing people's paradigm and how they perceive things. Right. People need a moment to chew on that before they move on. I like that. Right? So maybe I'll, I'll ask them a question or make a statement, and then I'll just use some space, some quiet space for a minute. Let them under, like let them sit into where they're at and just hold space with them, you know? Because maybe you just reframed them on something. They have to take a second to digest that, right? So I'll use space. And so we'll go through things. Maybe we'll walk through, like if your business has pillars, we'll walk through the pillars. I'll get to the end of those pillars and I'll be like, how, how, does that, how does that sound? Do you agree with these? Do you have any questions? Going back to finding objections. If they have questions, those are objections in hiding. So they're gonna have questions that they'll ask me at that point before I move on to the other part of the call. And then they're gonna ask, well, how does this work? Or they'll ask, well, what is the investment or the cost? And right. you know, depending on their question depends on where you go next. Right. If somebody doesn't know how I'm going to fulfill on this and they ask for the investment, I might ask them like, well, do you have any questions around fulfillment before we jump into that? Right. Oh yeah, yeah. How, like how long is the program? How do you guys actually do this? And we, we go into that, I'll walk through that. I'll end it on some type of a statement and I'll give them some space. What else do you want to know? Right. I, I, um, what I'm, what I'm getting, I take little notes. I mean, always when I'm, when I'm talking to anybody, but I, I, I take little side notes of like just key ideas. And this is very obvious if you're in sales, but just a little reminder for myself, just talking to you is it sounds like you're doing 90% of the time you're listening. Even when you're getting to the end, you're not a silver tongued, you know, what's that movie that, that, that boiler room movie. But anyway, you're not like, it's, it's, it sounds like it's a little bit different. It's you're listening, you're asking a question, you're holding space. How does that feel? How does that sound? What are the questions? And you're, you're just shepherding them or, or leading them to what they need the most, which is most likely buying your program, unless they're not a good fit. They're got off the call by then anyway. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If I'm at this point in the call, I've already made the determination yeah. of this person's a good fit. They're not lazy. I don't see any red flags. Like if I see red flags of somebody, maybe they're being incongruent with what they're saying. I will right. call them out on it. Right. Hey, you told me this earlier. Now you're saying this. These are two different things. And I just got to pause here for a second and call you out because what you told me earlier and what you're telling me now are completely, they're completely indifferent. So we need to make sure that there's congruency. What's the truth here? I love that. I love that. I love that. I got, I got one last thing for you. I really want to respect your time. It was about, um, Wanting it so bad, because here's also what happens. Like you're, you're, you're most likely, at least in my instance, when I started a business, I don't know how many people get to start a business and they just have investors throwing money at them. But dude, I don't have money. And so I really wanted the sale. And that, until I started letting that go, which I learned, I was an actor for three years, failed actor, didn't get too far. Don't look me up on IMDb, please. But um <laughs> I, I wanted the roles so bad and I just didn't get them. And at the end of my mm -hmm. career, I was so over producers and directors and the system of like having to, that I stopped reading the scripts. I stopped caring. I just go in and wing it. And I actually started getting more roles because of it. 
I didn't understand it back then. A professional would over-prepare and then go in the room and just let it out and just be in the moment. Whereas I was under-prepared and kind of winging it, but it was better than like being half-prepared, but wanting it so bad. So mm. it sounds like, or, or maybe from your perspective then, dude, we need money. Like we, we're starting this business. We really need it. And like, you haven't had a client in three weeks, four weeks. You have opportunities starting to come in. You want it so bad. <laughs> but they're not the perfect fit. Maybe you kind of know that, or you're just holding on too tight. Any advice for, this is like philosophical, spiritual stuff we're yeah. here at this point, but like letting go and just trusting the process, trusting God. Like what's, what's, what's a little word of wisdom you can drop for somebody who's uh, just getting started kind of. Yeah, man. I, I really have two different things. I want to, I want to go down here, two different veins. One is creating the difference between neediness and necessity neediness is I need this. I need this for me. I need to pay my bills. I have rent due in three days. And if you don't enroll, I'm going homeless. That's neediness. Now you might have that. You might feel that. That might be a portion of what you're doing. But now necessity, you have to keep necessity high in sales. What necessity means is it's necessary for them to do something different in their life if they want to win. And it's up to you to create that. The other side of this is there's a saying, it says the only way to be able to accurately diagnose is if you, like any good doctor, have nothing to gain besides the health and wellness of your client or patient. Going back to your doctor analogy earlier and the number one rule of sales, if I get on that call with the very first thing on the front of my mind being, I need the money, then the number one rule of sales comes second. If this is what's best for the prospect, then I will challenge them in the areas that I need to challenge them in, in order to get them outside of their comfort zone. And if I do my job correctly, if I'm a business owner, if I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm a coach and I'm doing sales, if I do this portion of my job, this hack correctly, you've come to me for a solution. You've come to me for a diagnosis, right? I have the, the cast for your broken arm. I have the pills to your disease that'll cure you. And if I don't do my job properly, or if I show up unprepared, it, no way in the world am I going to actually put you first. And I think that's really what it comes down to, man, is if, if you keep your necessity high and you show up as a leader and you challenge them where they need to be challenged and you put their, their interests are first in your heart and in your spirit, the money will be there. But if you're showing up for the money, people feel that, man. People feel that whether it's on a call, a zoom call in person, people know if you need the money, if you show them and they'll feel it. Right. But if you do your job correctly, the money will be there. I was, I was going to ask you right at the end to give us like the little, like the little boiler room, like the, the let's send off, but you just did that. Like I was like, anyone listening to that, I'm sure I'm hoping you're getting hyped up to um, I'm actually going to cut that out. We'll, we'll create a little four minute section and I'm going to separate it from the podcast and we'll bookmark it. So if anytime someone's like, man, I got a sales call coming up, I need to get riled up, but I don't want to get riled up in like maybe the, um, the used car salesman way, which is totally legit. I guess if that's how you want to go, I don't like flowing that way, but like that you're here to serve. You're here to give. If you listen, serve and the money will come, which I fully trust and believe I've, I've seen too much evidence of that to be, um, me and Sarah joke about this is like when we're having slumps or bad times, right? I take two days and I literally like 
just I start like if I'm not vibrating from a place of like I have tears in my eyes of gratitude for just being alive in the business and serving, I won't come back to work. And I do. And Sarah's like, I don't know what happened, but like we have so many people reaching out to like, I'm just like, I know exactly what happened. I can't fully there's science that explains it, but it's like it's it's every I haven't found an exception to it. I honestly haven't. It's like a real thing. It's a real thing. It is. It is. Man, Energy is a real thing. And if my energy is not with your best interest at heart, dude, there's no way I could ever serve you that way. You're not coming from a place of leadership if you're doing that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. If people want to connect with you, Kyle, um, I'll have, I'll definitely have your Facebook profile. I think that's basically where I saw most of your stuff. I searched you for a while and I basically, I think you consolidate there, but if I'm off any other links, anywhere people can find you. Yeah, man. Uh, Facebook is mainly where I'm at. And then Instagram is seven figure Kyle. Seven figure Kyle. I love it. I'll put all the links below. Uh, we end each episode with, with one thing. Um, again, we, we didn't dive too much into your story. I'm sure we could talk four or five hours of your story, but of all of your life experiences, everything that's happened, I'm sure you've been down and kicked. You said you had a business as well before you just went into full sales. I'm sure that was ups, downs and all this stuff. If you could, um, when did you start your kind of entrepreneurial journey? What, 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 what age was it like 14 or was it in the twenties? I was young, man. The 12, 13 years old is kind of when I started mowing lawns and washing cars. Doing that whole thing. So if you went back to 12, 13 year old Kyle, probably super ambitious. It sounds like big dreams, but maybe a little defeated. Doesn't really understand how things work yet. Maybe people are taking advantage of you here and there. Um, You're having those nights where you're really questioning what the hell you're doing, why you're doing it. I've already put so much time into this, but is it really worth continuing? Do I cut my losses, my faith? Like, what do I even believe in anymore? Who am I? You're having those, I don't know, the, the, the dark nights of the soul moments. Mm-hmm. And you could, from everything you've learned and everything you've grown spiritually and, and, and emotionally and, and intellectually, what would you, um, what would you give to, to that young version of Kyle or anyone else listening, a little nugget, a little wisdom? I would honestly give him a book that you can, you could probably read in one sitting. And the name of the book is the third circle theory. Third circle theory. Never heard of that. It is one of the most life-changing books you'll ever read. Um, Basically, if I had to give you a story on it would just simply be, it allows you to disassociate what you think you see and your perception of things versus what reality actually is. Because more often than not, we put on these rose tinted glasses we have, a dis- we, have a, we have a problem with sales and it probably has to do with our mom or dad telling us that salespeople wanted to steal our money. And we don't even know that. Once we make those connections, man, the world becomes a different place and you get to see things for how they really are. And again, it's not about you. It's never about you. And being able to see that, I would give them that book and, and read that book. Third circle theory. I'm going to write after this, I'm going to order it because it's usually not where I'm like, this is the best book in the world, but if I haven't heard of it, I know it's got to be really good. And the first, I, I just felt to do this, the first 10 people to email info at lucasrubix.com, um, I'll order it for you as well. The first 10 people to, to email info at lucasrubix.com, I'll definitely get you the third circle theory. Haven't read it, but I'm just fully trusting Kyle that it's yeah. a book worth reading. So I'll definitely read it up and the first 10 people will send it to you as well. Um, with that said, Thanks, Kyle. This is this is yeah, man. really amazing. I hope everyone listening is as hyped up as I am to continue to serve. Yeah, man. Love it. I appreciate the time and looking forward to do one in the future. Thanks, brother. All the links for Kyle are below on Facebook and Instagram. Check them out. And again, email me if you want this book. 
and we'll make sure we get it over to you. Kyle, thank you so much. Hey, brother. Appreciate it. All right. So as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.